excited about uh, about this series, uh, Gold Digger, and what what really uh, the heart of this message in this series is. I believe that there are things uh, in our life that this the the depth that God has for you and for me that it's only attainable if we can grab onto a few of these nuggets that we're going to be going through throughout the uh, the next four weeks and. And so um, I just, I thought that would be a fun title, plus it reminded me of that song, we will not sing it in here, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Lauren. And uh, so uh, real quick, we're going to pray and then jump into the message, but I do want to reiterate what uh, Janice and Mike was saying. We are in our uh, day 14 of our 21 days of prayer, and it has been phenomenal. <laughs> Cheers. And uh, if you did not grab one of these daily topic cards, you can grab one on the way out. They'll have them for you. And uh, each day we have a theme and we have a verse uh, that, that, that we are collectively as a community uh, rallying around. And uh, also, also, I said this last week, uh, but we are also praying uh, in the mornings on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, We've had people show up like never before, y'all. Like, it's amazing. And, and so uh, we'd love to invite you out. I know it's early, but imagine if Jesus was like, it's too early to die on the cross for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's so, so, uh, so I invite you out to that. Uh, if, if you're not an early bird and you're like, I don't care what you say, John, I'm not waking up early. We got two other options for you. You have Wednesday night at 6.30 right here. Uh, we call that Pursuit. Last Wednesday night was amazing. It was definitely top three uh, of worship experiences that I've ever been part of. And I've been here since the beginning. And so, uh, so Wednesdays at 6.30 or Saturday at 9 a.m. And uh, I said this last week, and here's my challenge to you. If this is your house and you call Discovery your home, I challenge you, uh, I, I challenge you to pick at least one day that you will say, I will be there for the next two weeks, whether it's a Monday, whether it's a Tuesday. You know what I'm saying. It's going to be phenomenal. So I want to invite you out to that. I want us to lean in this morning. There's something about cooking a meal for hungry people. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm excited. This is the first time I actually got to, I get to speak in five weeks. So I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm scared, but I'm excited. So like, I'm just, I'm just going to pray and we're going to jump into it and then we'll see what happens and then we'll go home. So let's pray. Father, actually, let's not pray yet. I, <laughs> I, I told you I'm out of my, my rhythm. Uh, Y'all were get you got he got ready and you're like oh okay, um, so John chapter four for the next four weeks we're gonna be in John chapter four, we're gonna be breaking it down little chunks each week and uh, this week we're gonna read John chapter four, verse nine. If you got your Bibles, John chapter four verse nine. If you don't have your Bibles, it's gonna be right there. There it is. Amen. Uh, John chapter four. It says this. Now he had to go through Samaria, he being Jesus. So he, Jesus, came to a town in uh, Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Verse 6. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired, or excuse me, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? 
Verse 8, his disciples had gone into town to buy some Chick-fil-A. Verse 9, the Samaritan, that's not what your Bible says? Oh, my bad. Uh, verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This morning, I want to briefly talk to you from the subject. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let's pray. For real, so this time. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather as a community. God, I thank you for what you've been doing in these 21 days of prayer thus far. Lord, I pray that uh, as we continue these 21 days of prayer, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to us even more. God, I pray within the next 20-ish minutes that I'm speaking, God, that you would do what only you can do. We thank you for that, Holy Spirit. We welcome you as our guest of honor this morning. We love you. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone say Amen, amen. Hey, how many of you guys love to be, um, like, just love to be bothered? Like, you, you, you're, you're set to do something, and then someone just inconveniences you randomly. I think we can collectively agree universally like that is the worst thing ever. Correct? For instance, my wife and I uh, were so gracious of, 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 of our, my parents, my in-laws. Uh, but once a month, my parents are like, hey, you and your wife need some alone time. And uh, that was awkward. And, um, and, and, and they're like, you can send your kids to our house overnight, and we'll watch them. Once a month, they do that. And we're like, thank you, Jesus. And so a couple months ago, it was that time where we were dropping our kids off, and we dropped our kids off, and uh, your boy's excited. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I love, I love it when, when it's date night with my wife because we get takeout most of the time. We come home. We watch like a movie or a show, something that we can't watch with kids around. And then we have deep conversations, philosophical conversations of life and, and uh, eternity. But I don't know why y'all are laughing. But, but my wife has this annoying tendency, y'all. Like when I'm sitting there and I'm ready to have a deep conversation with my wife about life. When I'm like, I want to pray for our church, babe. Our flock. <laughs> our flock. I want, I want to pray for our church. She has this annoying tendency. I'm like, babe, stop touching me. I'm like, stop. I'm more than a piece of meat. <laughs> Said no man ever. And I'm like, leave me alone. And so I'm praying she won't leave me alone. And uh, I get a phone call right in the middle of her bothering me. And uh, it's my mom. 
And I'm like, devil, no. <laughs> so I don't answer it. I don't answer it. If it's important, she'll leave a message. She didn't leave a message. So we continued our conversation while she was like petting me. And, and it rang again. And it was my mom. Nope. Praying here. Three times. By the third time, I'm like, well, I, I should probably answer it because I'm a good dad. So I pick it up, and it's my little girl. She's crying on the phone. Dad, I want to come home. No, you don't. <laughs> Please, Dad. And then all of a sudden, I hear my youngest, my four-year-old. He starts crying because his sister starts crying. And so now I'm on the phone with two of my kids, and they're just like, Aah! and then my oldest, he wasn't crying, but he wanted to come home. And I'm like, okay, I will leave him now, and I will come pick you up. And I leave, and I drive to my parents' house because I'm angry. They interrupted me. I was not expecting it. I get to my parents' door. Let's go. Get them in the car. And I'm driving, like, y'all, I'm, I'm mad. I can't see your facial expression, but I feel like you're judging me. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm mad. I'm driving home. And then all of a sudden, my little girl's like, Daddy, thank you. I love you. And then my oldest is like, Daddy, I love you. And then my little, my other little boy, because his brother and sister said, he's like, Daddy, I love you. And I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, I love you guys too. And on the way home, we had this amazing conversation of how much they love me, how much I love them, how much they complete me. Like, we had, like, this deep, conversation that would have never happened if I wasn't first inconvenienced. Now here's what I'm saying in case you zone out for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Moments of inconvenience can lead to the greatest opportunities for impact. Moments of inconvenience, if we allow it, can lead to the greatest opportunities for impact. See, the reason why I'm telling you this is because this is really what's taking place in John chapter 4. The author John, he, he's writing about this time that Jesus, he was leaving from Judea and he was going to Galilee. And on his way there, Jesus had two routes to pick. Jesus, he could have gone the long way around, which most Jewish people would have done, or he could have gone the short way. Now, it's our human inclination to be like, I don't care about the scenic route. I just want to get there faster. I don't care about Highway 1. Just send me on 280. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to get there. The only problem is, is that if Jesus was to go the shorter route through he would have to go through a city called Samaria. And uh, there was a little bit of tension 
between the Jewish people and Samaritans. See, back in 9, here's some history. Back in 930 B.C., Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Israel and Judah. And all of a sudden, the Assyrian army, they took captive of the northern kingdom. They brought most of the people from, from the northern kingdom to Assyria. However, there were still some people in the northern kingdom that stayed. And while they stayed there, some other people, some other non-Jewish people, they came and they began to be like, hey, what's your name? They're like, hey, what's your name? You're pretty. Oh, you're handsome. And they begin to co-mingle. And, and, and they begin to, 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 to breed with other, with other ethnicity, ethnicities. And then all of a sudden, what that led to was them beginning to change where they worship God. And they begin to change, like, everything about, about their heritage, about their culture. And so all of a sudden, the southern kingdom, they looked at the northern kingdom, and they were like, you guys are sellouts. You guys are half-breeds. You guys are not as good as us. And so most of the time... People, the Jewish people, they rather than going through Samaria because they're like, I don't want to go through them. I don't want to see these people. They would go the long way around. And yet what we read in John chapter 4 and verse 4, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so Jesus, he, he decides to go the short way. And we get to verse 6 and I love verse 6 because I think in verse 6, uh, the author, John, he, he gives us um, some information that if we just skim right past it, we wouldn't even understand. Like, we, we'd be like, whatever. Like, we read verse 6 and we're like, blah, 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 done. Next, next verse. But I, I want to show you three things in, in, in uh, chapter, or excuse me, verse 6 that I think is very um, applicable to our discussion, our time together this morning. The first thing, in John chapter 6, the author, excuse me, John chapter 4 and verse 6, the author, the first thing the author says is that Jesus was tired and thirsty. Jesus was tired and thirsty. Now, you, you could have read that like me many a times, and, and it, you could have just been like, okay, Jesus is tired and thirsty. But what I want us to see is that Jesus wasn't just tired and thirsty, but he was tired and thirsty. What I want us to understand is that Jesus, though he was 100% God, he was also 100% man. And because he was 100% man, man as well as 100% God, John decides to put that Jesus was tired and he was thirsty. Now, here's why I think that's significant to you and to me. Because if you're anything like me, anytime I see Jesus in the Bible, I think, well, you can do that because you're God. <laughs> oh, you can have mercy on that person because you're God. You can forgive that person because you're God. But John, the author, he's letting us know. He's reminding the reader Hey, don't forget, though Jesus was 100% God, he is also 100% human. Which means whatever Jesus is about to display 
is relevant to you and to me. So whatever Jesus is about to do in the text, we, we can no longer be like, well, it's because you're God. But rather, it's like us, it's an opportunity, invitation for us to lean in and to be like, okay, how does Jesus respond? Because maybe if Jesus responds this way, I should respond the same way too. So John, the author John, chap, uh, he writes in chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, Jesus was tired. He was thirsty. And, and the second thing that, that he, he lets us know is that Jesus was tired and thirsty, so he sat by a well. Now, uh, contextually, like, that means nothing to us in this day and age. We're like, well, well. You know, like, if we wanted water, we'd just go to the sink. Water. But, but the well, a well during ancient Israel times, like, it was a big deal. In fact, there's a few things, uh, reasons why a well was so important. The first reason is this. A well was generational. A well was generational. I mentioned this last week, uh, that like the average well during this ancient uh, period, uh, it was between 5 to 12 feet wide. And 30 to 40 feet deep. So it was a big well. It was so big, in fact, that, like, if you dug a well, it meant that you were staying there for a little bit. Like, if you saw a plot of land and you dug, started to dig a well, it meant that, hey, like, I'm going to dig this thing, but not just for me, but for my kids. Not just for me and my kids, but me and my kids' kids. When a person dug a well, they dug it with the intention of seeing generations. They dug it with the, with the idea and the urgency that what I'm digging right now will affect and benefit generations to come. Now, let's bring this closer to home. I am so grateful for people in discovery who have come and found discovery. And they, they saw the plot of land and they said, I like what I see. This is a good place. And what I love is, is I love the people that they, they come here, they see. They're like, man, this is what, this is what I love. This is what, I want to be part of this. And what do they do? They start digging wells. They start giving through tithe and offering. They start giving. What are they doing? They're digging wells. They're like, hey, I want to start serving. What are they doing? They're digging wells. They're, they're, they're like, I want to start serving. Like, and they're dig and what, what, what I love is the people here that, that they're like, man, this is my place. This is my house. So I'm going to start digging. I don't know if that's how you use a shovel. Clearly, I've never done that. But I love, I love it because these people that, those of you that are giving, that are serving, that are, that are, are investing sweat, tears into this place, what you're doing is you're digging a well. 
And it's not just a well for you, but I believe that you're digging wells for generations to come. You're like, hey, this is going to be a place that I can grow in, but not just me. My kids as well. And not just my kids, but my kids' kids. And you're giving and you're sowing. And I want to tell you this morning, it is not in vain. But it's because you understand the value of the well. You understand the value of seeing generationally. And here's what I love about that. When they dug the wells in ancient Israel time, that means that they were there for a while. And so when things got rough and everyone else that didn't dig the well, they're like, peace out, I'm gone. You coming? Nah, bro. <laughs> I've been digging this well for too long. Y'all go, I'll catch up maybe, but it, today's not the day. I put too much sweat, too much equity in this, in this well, I'm not leaving. See, when you dig a well, and when you dig it deep, and when you're, and when you're sowing into it, and someone offends you at church because they didn't notice your haircut, <laughs> you're not like, Last time ever, I'm ever going there. You know who, 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 do, who does that? People that don't have any wells dug. Do you know the people that are staying are the people that are digging? Those that are digging deep? And then someone walks by them and they don't say bye? Are you offended? Nope. Are you going to leave? No. Are you sure you're not mad? No. Why are you not mad? Because I dug. I have a well. I'm digging a well in this place. You guys with me? And so the well, uh, uh, excuse me, John, the author, he says that Jesus sat by a well. Here's the other thing about the well. A well is commu was communal. So a well, uh, during this culture, uh, during this time, uh, the, the, the women of the village, they would grab their pots and they would go, uh, they would go and, and, and get some water from, from the wells. They would draw water from the wells and, uh, and, and, and they would, they would, it would be opportunity to be like, hey girl, how you doing? Is Tom still an idiot? <laughs> oh, you know, girl, it's. Jesus is working on him. <laughs> I don't have a clock either, so like I'm just going to keep, I don't know what time it is. Um, <laughs> that's dangerous for you guys. Um, and so, uh, so, so, so it was an opportunity for, for, the, for the, the ladies of the village to come and just to hang out, to, to get the 411 on their neighbors. But it was also, it was also a hookup point. There are numerous times in the Bible when the shepherds would be strolling through, shepherding their sheep. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. And, uh, and they would look at the well, and they're like, let's go this way. And they would go, and they would talk to the ladies at the well. And they'd be like, how you doing? In fact, there were times when guys met their wives at the well. 
And so it was, a, it was the well, it was generational, it was communal, but it was also a specific well. The author said that, uh, that this, was, this, this specific well was called Jacob's well. And Jacob, we're going to talk about him next week in the, in the verses that we read. But here's what I want you to know about Jacob's well, is that Jacob was one of the three patriarchs of Israel. Every time someone was like, who's your God? They're like, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob was a big deal. And so in verse uh, chapter, or verse 6, excuse me, John the author, he lets us know that Jesus was tired and thirsty. He sat by the wall, and then he gives us this bizarre, seamless, seemingly insignificant uh, information when he says, and it was about noon. Now, here's why this is a big deal, because it was as hot as hell out there, okay? And I use that term correctly, <laughs> all right? So if you, you can email me. It was hot. And here they are, like the people with the women, they would draw water. They would draw it in the morning time when it was cool, or they would draw water at nighttime when it was cool. But nobody would go and grab water at 12 noon because it was scorching hot. Nobody, and so the fact that the author gave this little tidbit that it was about noon, what it shows is that nobody should have been here at this moment. And yet Jesus finds himself at this well. And all of a sudden, stage right, this woman comes out with her water pots. And if I'm this lady, I'm like coming out and it's hot. I'm, I'm like trying not to be, trying to, to, to see anybody. And then all of a sudden I look at the well and I'm like, oh great, another shepherd's out there. Oh, another guy, I got to tell him I'm not ready. And she goes over to the well. And I, I, I imagine that she's like, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. She's drawing water. Please don't talk to me. Okay, she, she has her water. She's about to, to go home. And then all of a sudden, the text says, Jesus says, will you give me something to drink? Ah, man. What I want us to understand in this moment, we could have the keys come up again. I have no idea where I'm at with time. Is it 11? Oh, my gosh. Okay, cool. Let's pray and we'll end right now. Jesus, we thank, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm ending, I promise, I promise. Uh, so, so Jesus, he, he gets her and he's like, get, can, will, the text actually says, will you give me some water? Will you give me a cup? Will you give me, will you give me? And here, here's what I want us to understand is that for this woman, this was a very, very um, inconvenient time for that. Because this lady, she, the fact that she was going at noon showed that she did not want to have any interaction with people. She was hoping that no one was there so no one would, would call her out on what we're going to look at for the next uh, couple weeks. And, and so she gets there, and this is so inconvenient. 
why does this person have to be here? And why does this person have to ask me for some water? This is not the time. And then uh, what I also want you to understand is that it's not just an inconvenient moment, but really water in this time period, everything revolved around water during, during this time period. Water was not, so for us, we're like, we bathe and, you know, I mean, water's still actually important to us, but I mean, we could drink sparkling water or whatever. Focus, John, time. But everything in this time period, ancient Israel, revolved around water, livestock, food, cleanliness, um, drinking. It was, it was all water. And so what I want us to see is that, yes, on the surface, Jesus is asking, hey, will you give me some water? But I want to propose to you this morning that what Jesus is really asking goes deeper than just a cup of water. I want to propose to you this morning what Jesus is really asking is this. Will you give me everything? Will you give me your emotions? Will you give me your time? Will you give me, will you give me every aspect of who you are? I believe that's what Jesus is asking this woman in this moment. See, the first nugget for this week that we can build, if we're going to go to that next level, we have to understand, nugget number one, that Jesus wants it all. Jesus wants it all. And if we are not careful, what we will do is we will respond the same way the Samaritan woman did to Jesus. Because when Jesus was like, hey, will you give me some water? The woman looked at Jesus and was like, do you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan woman. Do you know who I am? Like your people don't even talk to me. That they see me as, as lower than, they see me as less than. You don't want water from me. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. And I think if we are not careful, when myself or any other preacher is like, hey, Jesus wants all of you, our natural inclination is to be like, you don't want none of me. Jesus doesn't want any of me. Does he know what I've done? Does he know who I am? See, the, the, the uh, Samaritan woman's response, when she said, I'm a Samaritan, what she was saying, she was putting on a generational branding that was passed down to her by her parents, her parents' parents, her parents, 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 her parents, 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 parents. She, she embraced the generational branding. And I'm afraid that if you and I are not careful, we too will embrace generational brandings that have been passed down from our parents and from their parents' parents. And it will pass down to our kids if we don't first understand that Jesus wants you as you are. He wants all of you. And I love 
the fact that Jesus is so gracious, so full of grace. Because if I'm Jesus and the woman's like, don't you know I'm a Samaritan? Don't you know? If I'm Jesus, I'm like, hey, that's a great point. I'll, I'll see you later. Bye. But Jesus, so full of grace, here's his response, and then we're ending. In verse 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, if you knew, translation, I'm going to give you one more opportunity. Are you sure that's your final answer? If you knew who I, who I was, you would be asking me for living water. He didn't push her away. He didn't say, you're right. Uh, I'll see you later. He's like, let me give you one more opportunity. And this morning, I feel like what God is wanting to do in this moment is to, is to say, if you knew, if you knew how much I love you, if you knew how much I care about you, if you knew, friends, don't miss it. The most inconvenient moments can lead to the greatest opportunities for impact.